0: ask you to turn in your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 through 7, and I say this in our regular services quite often, but I'll say it again, I, I love listening to Christmas music, and I, um, I love the carols, I love all those uh, those things we get to enjoy when it comes around Christmas, but uh, I love opening God's Word, and looking at God's Word, and seeing what <laughs> He has to say, and I want us to be sure to take some time to do that this morning as well. Isaiah chapter nine and verses six through seven. Isaiah chapter nine, verse six says, "For unto us a child is born; unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder." And he shall, uh, his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David, upon his kingdom, to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Let's bow in prayer. Heavenly Father, I want to bow before you this morning. Just... First of all, asking for forgiveness of sin. God, I pray that you'll uh, cleanse my heart and mind to speak your word today. God, say through me what needs to be said. Lord, I pray that you'll remove distractions that might hinder us from hearing your word today and help us to be receptive to what the Spirit may say to the church and to each of those that are here. We're so thankful for every blessing you've shed upon us. We're thankful most of all for Christ. For what He came to do, and the reason why we celebrate this day, we ask it all in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Throughout December, we've uh, we've heard already several different messages centered around the birth of Christ and around Christmas, and uh, and so as we are here on Christmas Day, and uh, this is kind of our final day this year to uh, to deal with uh, the subject of Christmas and. Uh, the birth of Christ. Of course, we'll have a service tonight as well, and everyone's invited to that. Uh, it'll be a little little less formal uh, this evening, but uh, what I want to do this morning is just kind of carry uh, what we've been talking about all month as we've been looking at the Christmas story. We've talked about the fact that Jesus is the Messiah. We, we've already talked about the reason why he came, and, and I wanted to point that out several times this month because... For me, when I celebrate Christmas, uh, although I'm glad that Jesus was born, when I celebrate Christmas, I, I don't just look at the baby who was there in the manger, I, I think about what he came to do and what his mission really was. Uh, Jesus was sent on a mission. From from day one, as the song we just heard, uh, he was on a mission to die. And that, that mission, of course, eventually led him to the cross where uh, he died for our sins and So what I want us to keep in mind is that when Jesus came, although his birth is incredible and the way that he was born is incredible and only God could have done that. But keep in mind that he came for a purpose and that purpose is shared with us today. uh, Once again, in the book of Isaiah, chapter nine, and as we've read verses six and seven, what we find here are several prophecies of Christ that were given about Not the baby that was to be born, but the man that this baby was to uh, become. And I want you to look there with me in verse 6 again. And notice what it says. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The verse starts out with this idea that this is going to be a man who is born. This is someone who is going to begin as a baby, as a child like anybody else. But then it shows us what he is to become. It says that he will be the wonderful counselor. He will be the mighty God, the everlasting father, the prince of peace. And then in verse 7 it tells us that his government is going to increase. And there's going to be no end. There's going to be no boundaries to his authority and his kingship. But he's going to rule and reign from the throne of his father David. Of course we are still talking about Christ. We're talking about Jesus the Messiah. And I want us just to look at a couple of different things today. That's pointed out about who this man is was to be. Who this son and uh, this child that was born was going to grow up uh, to become and what he was going to do. And uh, and hopefully we can find all that here in, uh, really, we're just going to focus on verse 6. There are several names that are given to Jesus here. Of course, at this point, they didn't know that he was going to be called Jesus, but they did know that his name would be called Wonderful Counselor. That. He would be uh, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. And those are the names I want us to consider this morning. First of all, I want you to look at uh, the words Wonderful Counselor there in verse 6. It says, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. And keep in mind that in those days, uh, a name was given to someone based upon their character, based upon uh, something about them. And so this man was to be characterized in such a way, uh, he was to behave himself in such a way or to do something in a way that would earn him the name Wonderful Counselor. And I know as you read through your verse there uh, that it has a comma between Wonderful and Counselor, but I want you to keep in mind that that really, those two words are really one name, that he is not, he is wonderful and he will be a counselor, but Uh, what we see is that he is a wonderful counselor. And this name wonderful, or this word wonderful, is descriptive of a specific task that only Jesus was qualified to fulfill. The word wonderful means one who goes to the shepherd in behalf of the sheep. And so the word wonderful, is, uh, is it just doesn't mean great like we use the word wonderful. If we say, well, something that's wonderful. We mean, well, that's awesome or that's great or that's really cool or whatever. But when we look at this word wonderful, it, it has to do with someone who is a mediator that this is a counselor that's going to be able to stand between God and mankind. And that's exactly what Jesus came to do. Like sheep, every one of us have gone astray. Therefore, because of our disobedience, because of our sinfulness, it was necessary for one to be able to go to God and to plead our case before Him. In our natural sinful condition, we have absolutely no right... To stand before God on our own. We have no standing before God. We need an intercessor. Uh, the same is true, you could talk about others in, in nations that have kings, or even in our nation here with our president. Uh, you could not just walk into the White House and have an audience with the president. You must know somebody or have some kind of connection to him in order to be able to go and stand before him or to stand in his presence. Well, the same is very true with God. Just because you exist does not mean that you have the right to stand before God or to uh, to stand and speak with God or to pray to God or any of those things. There must be some connection to God. Uh, you need someone who can stand in the middle and bring the gap between you and God. And it's our sinfulness that has caused this. Here's what I want you to see today, though, is that Jesus came to be our wonderful counselor. He came to be the man who could stand between God and the rest of mankind and bridge that gap between us. Uh, he stood in the gap when no one else could. And there's a wonderful uh, verse about Jesus in 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. says that there is one mediator between God and man. There's only one who is able to stand between us. There's only one who's able to connect us together. And he says that is the man, Christ Jesus. There is only one mediator between God and man. I want you to know this morning that you need someone who can stand between you and God. You need someone who can go to God, who can plead your case for you. And I'm going to tell you something this morning. I'm not that person. Now, I could pray for you, but I can't mediate for you. I can't stand between you and God and be the mediator that we're talking about here There is only one man who has ever existed who has the ability to do that. His name is Jesus Christ. And I'm going to tell you why I can't do that for you. Because I'm a sinner myself. Because before I could even stand and speak this word to you, I needed to ask God for forgiveness of my own sins. I'm going to tell you about Jesus. Jesus was a sinless man. Jesus had no sin. There was no fault in Him. He was the perfect, sinless Son of God. And because of that, He was able to stand between us and God and speak with Him and and bring us into a relationship with one another because He is our wonderful Counselor. He is the one who pleads our case today. In First John chapter 2 and verse 1, John says something to the people he's writing to. He tells them uh, that his wish for them is that they would do something that is absolutely impossible for us. He says, my, my little children, I write unto you. And this is what he wanted them to do. He says, I write to you, or my purpose in writing to you is that you sin not. My wish and my heart's desire for you is that you do not sin anymore. But, if you do sin, and we could even add a when you do sin, right? But when you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have someone who's able to stand between us. Jesus Christ, the righteous, and He is the propitiation. He is the atonement for our sins, and not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. I want you to know today that apart from Jesus Christ, you have no standing with God because of sinfulness. Apart from Jesus Christ, there is no relationship with the Father. But through Jesus Christ, you can have complete forgiveness of sin. That humongous gap that is uh, separating you from God can be bridged, can be brought together together through one person, Jesus Christ. That makes Him our wonderful Counselor. Amen. Not only is our wonderful Counselor, but He is also the mighty God. Look at verse 6 again. He says He should be called Wonderful Counselor. And then He gives another name. He says the mighty God. The word mighty denotes someone of strength and authority. In other words, this Christ would not only be a man of great strength, but He would literally be the mighty God. God, So that when you looked at Jesus, you would literally be seeing God in man. The great ruler would not only be the one who had the ability to intercede for man as he does as our wonderful counselor, but he would literally have the mighty power of God. And for three and a half years, Jesus did wonderful and mighty works proving that he was the Messiah. I want to take you to the book of John, one of my favorite books in the Bible. But John chapter 1, you probably could quote this as many times as you've heard me quote this ver- these verses. But it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. I'm going to tell you, the Word is Jesus Christ. And it says, all things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Meaning that this Word, Jesus, who was with God in the beginning, who was God in the beginning, He was the very One who spoke all things into existence. In fact, what it tells us is that, if you flip back to Genesis chapter 1, where it says... In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And God said, let there be all these other things throughout the days of creation. Literally, the one who was speaking those words was the person of Jesus Christ. He is the mighty God. I want to show you something else from the book of John. If you'll flip there, hold your place in Isaiah chapter 9. But turn with me to John chapter 21 and look at verse 25. John chapter 21 and verse 25. And this verse is being read and written after all the things that John has recorded about Jesus. After all the miracles that it's been shown that he's performed, all the things that he's done. He says in John chapter 21 and verse 25. And there are also many other things which Jesus did. The which, if they should be written, every one, I suppose that even the world itself cannot contain the books that should be written. He closes the book with an amen. Amen. He says if we were to record everything that Jesus did, you wouldn't have time to read it. There's not enough space to hold it. Jesus did so much more. He proved over and over and over again that he was almighty God. That leads us to another truth that we find at Christmas time and that we find surrounding this is that Jesus is Emmanuel. It says here in chapter 9 of the book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, it says that He shall be called the mighty God. And what we're told in Isaiah chapter 7, just two chapters before, if you'll flip back to chapter 7 in verse 14, it says, Therefore the Lord Himself shall give you a sign Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name. Look at that. Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Isaiah wrote in chapter nine, that there is a child that's going to be born. There's a son that's going to be given and he's going to be the wonderful counselor. He's going to be the mighty God. Literally what he's saying is he's going to be Emmanuel. He is going to be God with us. The promise of this child was a token of evidence that God was still with His people Israel. The full extent of this prophecy is not going to be fulfilled for years to come. But I want you to understand that after this prophecy was given here in Isaiah chapter 7 and then in in chapter 9 as well, the northern tribes of Israel were taken into captivity... Years later, Judah was carried into Babylon. And although Israel later returned to their land, they were never the nation they had once been for God. After the last Old Testament book was written, there was a period of, think about this, 400 years. That's about twice as old as the United States of America. 400 years of complete and utter silence from God meaning that when malachi finished those last words put that last period at the end of his book 400 years went by with not a word from god not an angel being sent from heaven not a prophet being sent to preach not not anyone proclaiming the word of god for 400 years then the silence was broken and the first break of silence that we have is a promise that God is about to send Emmanuel. As a matter of fact, although we know that God has spoken to Zacharias, although we know that God is, that, that through Gabriel has already spoken to Mary, what we're told in the book of Matthew chapter 1, when the angel speaks to Joseph, he says, and don't worry, the child that Mary is pregnant with, Uh, is the son of God. And she's going to bring forth that son and you're going to call his name Jesus. And what he tells us, he says, because the the prophets already told us this, that a virgin is going to conceive and his name should be called Emmanuel, meaning God with us. I want to tell you that Jesus is the mighty God. He is God with us. The mighty God of heaven who promised never, never to forsake us. We see that he came and dwelled. Among us, What greater evidence of His faithfulness could He have given? He is the Almighty God. He has all power and all authority in heaven and in earth. He is, as we've said, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. But I want you to see another thing about Jesus. If you look back with me in Isaiah chapter 9 and read on, it says, uh, He shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. And then look at that next phrase. It says, The Everlasting Father... And another way that we could translate this is... He is the Father of Eternity. The Father of Eternity. (laughs) Now I want you to think about that statement just for a moment. There's no doubt that Jesus and the Father are one. Jesus is just as much God as the Father and the Spirit are God. They are three in one. It is Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. The term Father was given... I want us to think about what that means... The word father was given uh, to one who originated something. And so uh, you could say that in Genesis, uh, the, the man named Jabal was known as the father of those that dwell in tents because he was the first one uh, to do that. Uh, Jubal was the father of those who played the harp. He was the one who started all of that. The father of the house is one uh, who starts the family. The patriarch or the father is the one who begins that family. And we have others that we could say uh, as far as certain inventions. And technologies are concerned uh, that we have some who would be called uh, the father of electricity or the father of the modern uh, vehicles and things like that. But there are different people who are given that term, father. Here is what I want you to see about Jesus: Jesus is the father of eternity, meaning that He has complete control and ownership over eternity, all of eternity. Eternal life even belongs. To Jesus, Because He is the author of it. You see, not only is God eternal, but because He is the Father of eternity, He has the ability to give eternal life to His children. I want you to think about this verse just for a moment. When we read in John 3.16 where it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believes in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What right does God have? What power does God have? Or does Jesus have to give eternal life, everlasting life to those who believe? You see, I can't promise you that and it hold any basis or any water. I, I can't tell you that and you take any hope from that itself. I can't say, if you'll do this, I'll give you eternal life because I have no power to do that. But I'll tell you something, the one who created life. The one who possesses eternity has the authority that when he says, if you'll believe in my only begotten son, you'll have everlasting life. He has the authority and the power to give that to you. I want to tell you this morning that Jesus is the author. Jesus is the source of all life, including eternal life. Not only is He our wonderful counselor who's bridged the gap between us and God, not only is He the almighty God who spoke everything into existence, but He is the Father of eternity. Meaning that if you want eternal life, you've got to come to Him. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He's the everlasting Father. And He is the Prince of Peace. Look with me in verse 6 of chapter 9 again. It says, His name shall we call Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and then the last here, the Prince of Peace. When Messiah returns to reign in Jerusalem, He's going to bring peace upon the earth like it's never known as a matter of fact, I want you to read verse 7 again. And I want you to think about the Jewish Messiah. It says, Of the increase of His government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon His kingdom, to order it, to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform this. I want you to notice that not only is His reign going to have no boundaries and no ends, but it says the peace that He brings will have no end. He's the prince of peace. One reason why the Jewish people as a whole do not accept Jesus is because he didn't bring peace between the nations when he came. In fact, there's more war and heartache uh, yet to come. But you see, Jesus brought a different kind of peace to the world when he came. There was a larger problem than just squabbling between the nations or between Roman oppression upon uh, the, the nation of Israel. The entire world had a common problem, and that is the wrath of God. All have sin, and all must pay the penalty of sin. And Paul tells us in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life to Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, Jesus didn't come to please men. He came to appease God. God's wrath required the death of all who had broken His law. And Paul also tells us, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that means you, that means me, that means every person who has existed has broken the law of God and needs peace between them and God. Therefore, the wonderful Counselor stood between God and man. The mighty God shed His own blood in our place the everlasting Father provided eternal life through His resurrection and the Prince of Peace brought harmony between God and all who will believe on His name. That's you this morning. And if it's not, it can be you this morning. If you will turn from your sins and recognize that there is no possible way that you will ever be able to bridge a broken uh, gap, a, a broken bridge between you and God, that there is no way that that will ever take place on your own. And you look to Jesus to be your wonderful counselor. You look to Jesus who shed His mighty blood for your sins. You look to Jesus to bring peace between you and Him, uh, you and God. And if you'll turn to Him this morning, confess your sins and seek His salvation, the Bible tells us, for all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That could be you today. And I'm going to tell you this morning that if you're a child of God who's living in bondage to sin, if you're a child of God who has just been riddled with chaos and heartache and, and all those different things, I want you to know this morning, child of God, that you still have a wonderful counselor. You still have a mighty God. You still have an everlasting Father and a Prince of Peace who can bring freedom and peace and joy to your hearts and lives like never before. Just turn to Him seek Him this morning. There should be no mistake that the prophecy we're looking at today is telling us about the kind of king that Jesus will be when He comes to reign on the earth. All of this is still future for us, but here's what I want you to see is that Jesus is already all of those things. All we have to do is put our faith and our trust in Him. Turn to Him this morning. And maybe this morning you need to recognize your inability, your weakness. And maybe this morning you just need to bow your knee, bow your heart and your head towards God and call upon your wonderful counselor, call upon your everlasting father and your prince of peace. Maybe that's what you need to do this morning. I'm going to have a song play. Maybe you just want to stop right now. Thank God for the wonderful gift of Jesus that was given. Thank Him for the salvation that you're able to have freely because of Christ. Maybe there's some decision that you need to make this morning. Perhaps you've already shared your gifts with family and friends today. But you're ready to receive God's gift of salvation yourself. Or you're ready to give God the one gift that He so desires. And that's you. Maybe you just want to surrender your whole heart, your whole life, and your whole self to Him this morning. Whatever your need is, whatever God's working on your heart about, listen to what the Spirit's saying to your heart today. Respond accordingly.